Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. Today's connection is about cancer, and this is a complex topic that can't possibly be covered in this 10-minute connection, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the role functional medicine plays in the patient going through cancer treatment or maybe looking at cancer prevention. So first, what is cancer? And really simply putting it, it's when abnormal cells in the body begin to grow uncontrollably, and uh, that can happen anywhere in your body. You can have breast cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer. And cancer is so prevalent in the United States. It's estimated in 2020, which was last year, that over 1,806,590 new cases of cancer will be diagnosed in the United States. And 606,520 people will die from cancer in the United States in 2020 alone. And some of the most common cancers is breast, lung, prostate, and colon. And when you think about a male and a female's lifetime, it's estimated that about 39.5% of men and women will be diagnosed with cancer at some point in their life. And that is why looking at prevention and looking at a holistic treatment protocol is really important because it is super prevalent. And the biggest thing that I stress to my patients is combination therapy is best. So I am not pushing for all alternative treatment when it comes to cancer treatment. There was actually a study done in 2018 that found that individuals that declined conventional therapy and followed alternative therapy only actually had a higher death rate. So what we really preach and talk to our patients about at Stat Wellness is combination therapy going the conventional route, knowing your options, but also looking at some of the things we can do from a lifestyle basis. So our goal is to really work with our patients and to empower them to make lifestyle changes, dig a little deeper, and blend alternative research-backed therapies alongside conventional therapies. And so we focus on what are some of the things we have control over. We don't have control over our genetics, but what do we have control over? We have control over our diet, our exercise, our smoking and alcohol use, our stress management, our body composition, our sleep quality, our sun exposure, and the environment to an extent. There are certain things like what we put in and on our body we can control, and there's other things like emissions that we breathe in all the time that we don't have as much control over. But some of the big things we look at, first, nutrients. We really want to take a deep dive on what's going on with our patients' nutrients. Is there zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, omega-3 fatty acids? Those are some of the key nutrients we look at. And I always like to say we really like to test and not just guess. We don't want to put people on a whole slew of every nutrient that's been beneficial in cancer prevention and cancer management, we really want to know where are they suboptimal and where do they need some more nutritional support. 
And at Stat Wellness, we really look for levels that are optimal and not just within the reference range. So I always go to vitamin D because that's such an easy uh, topic. The reference range is 30 to 100. And if you're at 31, your vitamin D is technically normal. But when we're thinking about immune protection, immune health, reducing inflammation, blood sugar control, we really like that vitamin D between 60 and 80. So we like to test and not guess, and we like to really support our patients nutritionally, whether it's through IV therapy, where you bypass the gut and really get straight into the body. And we do things like high-dose vitamin C for the right candidate. Uh, we do Myers cocktails to support energy. It's like a multivitamin in a bag. And then we also do oral supplementation and dietary changes. The other really big thing, once we look at everybody's nutrients, another huge component we look at is dietary recommendations. And I I know that diet and cancer and cancer prevention is is very all over the place and often confusing. And I think part of the reason for that is we are all unique and different. Our genetics are different. Our gut microbiomes are different. Our metabolic state is different. Our activity level is different. So you can't put everybody in the same neighborhood on one diet and expect them all to have the same benefits. And that's why I can find research to support so many different diets as it relates to cancer. But the three I think that have the most research is a ketogenic diet, a vegan diet, and a Mediterranean diet. And I know these three diets are very, very different, and they each have their own place, and they work differently depending on a person's lifestyle. But there's some really common themes when we think of nutrition as it relates to cancer management and cancer prevention. We know sugar is one of the worst things when you've been diagnosed with cancer. And the reason is cancer cells pick up glucose and sugar even more readily than your, than your healthy cells. So if your sugar is constantly elevated, you are really feeding those cancer cells. They're turning over rapidly. They're growing. They're expanding. So if there's one thing you can do, whether it's vegan, Mediterranean, keto, or you don't like to label yourself, is really avoid processed carbohydrates and high sugar food. This is things like baked goods, candies, ice cream, Pop-Tarts. All of those things that are high in sugar that is going to increase your blood glucose and really fuel the cancer cells. So that is one of the biggest reasons that it seems like based on research, a keto diet works is you're dropping your blood sugar and the glucose circulating through your body and you start to use fat for fuel instead of sugar for fuel. And cancer cells are not smart enough to use fat for fuel. They like glucose as their main source of fuel. So avoiding those processed carbohydrates and high sugar foods no matter what diet you follow, is really beneficial. There also is some good studies that reducing your intake of processed meats and red meats can be really helpful. That doesn't mean that you need to be on a low-protein or vegan diet, but definitely avoiding the processed meats, things like bacon and lunch meats and some of those that are uh, much heavily processed can really impact cancer prevention and cancer management. So we recommend reducing those. Looking at things to add to your diet, maybe increasing up green tea for the antioxidant properties, maybe adding in some foods that help with detoxification. 
like cruciferous vegetables, cilantro, parsley, chlorophyll, dandelion greens. Maybe uh, looking at avoiding overcooking or charring your food. There's some good data that charred food cannot be, um, that it's not actually as healthy for us. Even though I know it can taste really good, especially at a cookout, you don't want to char the food. Um, Certain things like dairy are pretty controversial. They've looked at dairy showing it to increase prostate cancer, but then they've also had studies released that show it decreases colorectal cancer. So we always, focus on choosing if you um, are able to organic and fermented forms, things like yogurt or kefir that are really beneficial for your gut microbiome, which is where your immune system sits. We also recommend, even if you're doing keto, really increasing your vegetables and getting all the colors of the rainbow. Those really help with micronutrients that are really important for um, cancer treatment to help with your energy, your motivation, um, help prevent some of the side effects. And you want lots of colors for those antioxidants that help you reduce oxidative stress in the body, which can age our cells quicker. Uh, We also look at increasing ground flaxseed, especially with prostate cancer. There's actually been some studies that show that flaxseed can be really beneficial for cancer treatment. So we want to definitely look at doing that. Um, Just a couple studies related to what we were talking about, that there was one study that was released that found consuming 50 grams of processed meat each day, which is about four slices of bacon or one hot dog, raised the risk of colorectal cancer by 18%. So if you add, you know, genetics, if you add inflammation, if you add prediabetes or insulin resistance or diabetes and this processed meat, your chances of developing cancer are just going to increase. Lifestyle matters. Food is medicine. Another study found that men with prostate cancer that had 30 grams of ground flaxseed daily experienced slower cancer growth and spread than the control group in even just 30 days. Again, food is medicine. We don't look at treating cancer alone with ground flaxseed, but it is something we can do in conjunction with conventional therapy. Sleep is also huge. We know sleep matters. It's really where our immune system resets itself. It's really where our body starts to reduce inflammation and heal. Very important in your treatment and prevention of cancer. You really need about eight hours of uninterrupted, good quality sleep. We recommend tracking your sleep because sometimes you think you're getting good sleep, but you're not. And um, tracking that deep sleep is so important. We want you to keep your room cooler around 65 degrees Fahrenheit. We want it dark. We want you to consider white noise to impact that quality sleep so you don't hear any sounds within the house or any noise that may make you up, wake you up. And if you're struggling to get sleep, as we talked about in the sleep um, uh, connection, make sure you seek help because sleep is very important for immune regulation and inflammation. The other thing is melatonin. Melatonin has always been known to be a hormone that is produced by the pineal gland in response to darkness that helps you sleep. We've known it's a hormone forever, but now it is well accepted in research that it's actually a cell protector, an immune modulator. It has antioxidant properties, and it actually helps with the body making blood components. So there's a lot of interesting research coming out on melatonin's effects with cancer and 
longevity. So making sure that we are getting that darkness before we go to bed, making sure we're decreasing stimulation like laptops and TV to help our body naturally make melatonin is super important. And maybe even on top of that, uh, taking some melatonin if your levels are low, maybe looking at a sustained release so it doesn't help you fall asleep but wake up throughout the night, that sustained release can work better over time. We also know stress impacts your immune system and inflammation. So we look at how can we improve your stress management? We know chronically elevated cortisol can increase your blood sugar, inflammation, and decrease your immune system. So all those things that we've talked about before on this podcast, the importance of deep breathing, Epsom salt baths, reading a positive book, writing in a gratitude journal, prayer, uh, meditation, all of those things can help with the body's perception of stress. Because stress is subjective. You have to perceive something in your brain as stressful for you to have the physical effects of stress. And of course, certain things can increase stress like inflammation, illness, all of those things can increase physical uh, stress on the body. Going through chemotherapy and treatment can really make a difference um, in in that physiological stress on the body. So it's not only mental stress that we're referring to, but we want to focus on the things we can control. We also know that exercise has a really big impact on cancer, and it doesn't have to be a lot. They recently demonstrated that voluntary exercise leads to an influx of immune cells and tumors and a more than 60% reduction in tumor incidence and growth across several mouse models. So I know mouse are not the same as humans, but as you guys know, a lot of research starts on mice, and we know that exercise is beneficial for our heart health, our immune system. System, our mood, um, our, our soma inflammation, everything. But exercise has an impact on cancer as well. So we want to get moving more. And there's a few tips that I wanted to share. One, plan on Sundays when you are going to work out and put on your calendar like you would any other meeting and stick to it. Try to get it in first thing in the morning so things don't come up. Lay out your clothes the night before so that you're prepared for success. Put your alarm clock on the other side of the room so that you get out of bed and have to go move to it. And I think it's important to note that this this exercise, you don't have to do high intensity exercise. They found that people during cancer treatment that even moved a slow walk for 20 to 30 minutes had a better quality of life and less fatigue through cancer treatment. So whatever you're able to do, do that a little bit is better than nothing. And remember little by little, a little becomes a lot. We also look at labs. We look and assess labs for cancer prevention and during cancer treatment. We monitor inflammation based on C-reactive proteins and SED rates. We look at the vitamin D. I can't emphasize enough the importance of fasting glucose, insulin, and hemoglobin A1C. We do full nutritional panels to make sure you have the right nutrients that you need. We look at omega-3 fatty acids. We look at methylation based on homocysteine and B9 and B12 and even genetic markers like MTHFR and COMT. And we can also track certain cancer markers like CEA and CA125, PSA, and some of those other markers as you're going through treatment or maybe maybe from a remission standpoint to make sure that they're staying nice and low or although they are not perfect markers. 
We also use something called Capsol tea. This is high dose green tea and some chili powder mixed into one capsule. And one capsule of Capsol tea is equal to about 16 cups of green tea. And they've done some studies showing that it may prevent cell turnover and reduce ENOX2, which is a molecule with cancer activity. So Doing this capsule tea, which you have to do very, very regularly and consistently, may be helpful in conjunction with conventional medicine. And it's, again, the equivalent of green tea. Curcumin has also been shown to be really helpful. And we love at Stat Wellness low-dose naltrexone for reducing inflammation and calming down the immune system, which may have some anti-cancer effects. Uh, There's also a fasting mimicking diet you can do that's under research at five hospitals right now for decreasing chemo side effects. And this is a four-day fasting mimicking diet that you do before treatment. So I know this is the quick and dirty on functional medicine and its role in cancer, but we are here for you at Stat Wellness to work with your oncologist and to support you along the way. Your exercise, your sleep, your stress, your diet, your nutrients, they all play a role on your health and your health outcomes. Uh, So reach out to us at Stat Wellness and thank you guys as always for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.